We're reading from 1 Corinthians, starting um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, and then continuing. It's on page 1089 of the Church Bibles, 1089, 1 Corinthians 12, 31. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection, as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand for the gospel. We read from the gospel of Matthew, and it's verse 4, Matthew 4 starting at verse 1. It's on page 915 of the Church Bibles. So hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, people do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, 
do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So, Father, again, we want to say thank you for all your gifts the most uh, wonderful being the gift of your Son and our salvation. Help us to desire and to see all the gifts uh, grown in our church within the framework of love. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I think we've been uh, on quite a journey together looking at this specific passage of the gift of the Spirit, um, nine gifts to be specific. And today, very sadly, we are coming to the end of our series. Oh, thank you. Gift for all. But don't be too saddened because we're going to take forward one particularly for the next three weeks and we're go going to look in more details, which is the, the, the ministry of prophecy in all its um, rich expression. But, of course, I think it's very fit that we wrap this up within this framework, the framework of love, the most excellent way. And if you look at your Bible and this passage, um, we start with saying, now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and of course then Paul um, spent a whole chapter speaking of, in a sense, the greater gift is the gift of love. Um, but then he ends, once he then uh, spoke, we didn't read that, but chapter 14, now follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gift, especially the gift of prophecy. So that's why we're going to spend a little bit more time on this it seems special gift of prophecy. But of course, Paul says, eagerly desire all the gifts. And when he says that, he doesn't speak to us individually, that we need to individually all have all the gifts. No, he says, eagerly pray that within the body of Christ, within this church, all the gifts will be expressed. All the gifts will be expressed. Whether it's through me or not, that doesn't matter. What matters is that they are alive and expressed among ourselves. And that's why we took some time to try to understand those different gifts. So when we see them expressed, um, we're not frightened. Um, we, are, um, we understand that it is the way that God works um, to um, help us to grow in depth and in number. I think it's also for us the occasion to reflect how this series has impacted us has impacted you what you've learned what you will take forward maybe what we did wrong maybe there are places where um, we didn't get the right balance and I will expand that a little bit more further in my talk 
So I would like to start at the very, very beginning, and one of the key phrases which I said at the very beginning, the first, maybe you remember, is that when we think of the gifts of the Spirit, we should be expectant, but without agenda. Expectant, but without agenda. And Alex came to me this morning and says, uh, I remember you said that, but it has never said it again. So there we go, now we've said it twice. But what did I mean when I said no agenda? Expectant with no agenda. Well, I've seen sometimes um, in, in my Christian walk that some churches became jealous of what happened other where, in other churches, and they tried to copy. And I think that's, that's then trying to impose an agenda on the Holy Spirit. Having no agenda is knowing all the gifts and then desiring them, but in a way that they express in our context. Because God knows our needs and he knows best how to express those gifts among us so that we will grow in depth and in number. And then we've learned that the gifts are for the common good, they're to build us up, and they're for mission so that other people will be brought in and grow. And then we had um, this phrase, I think, from Steve, there are tools for the job. You remember that, tools for the job? So I have my tools there. There we go, and it's a way to say all the uh, gifts of the Spirit in this passage. Miraculous power, what is it, it's plier we call it, yeah? It's very difficult in English, all those names of tools. I have no idea how you call this one. It's prophecy, but what is it called? A, a G-clamp. Well done, there we go. Then we have interpretation of tongues. That's a spanner, yeah? Oh, good, good. Message of knowledge. What is that, a spatel or...? A scraper, there we go, scraper. Gift of healing, there you go, it's a small spanner again, there you go. Distinguishing between the spirits, going to go a bit quicker. Message of wisdom, yeah. scissors, I know scissors, yeah. <laughs> Gift of faith. And speaking in different tongues, how do you call this, a roll? A roller, there we go. Now, this is only one of the lists in the scripture, and we have at least two main lists and maybe a third passage that speaks of other kind of gifts uh, which we haven't touched during uh, our series. So I've asked a few. Andrew, I think you have two. Can you tell them? Serving and teaching. Barbara. Encouraging and giving. Encouraging and giving. Stan. Apostle and teacher. Apostle and teacher. Lucy. Evangelism and pastor, and I think Trevor is another. Leadership. I think it's very important that you hear that, because maybe you feel a little bit de-skilled after our series, saying actually, you know, those kind of otherworldly gift, which which is specifically in this passage of Corinthians, um, you know, I haven't really been used this way by God. But hearing those other gifts, you said actually. People have encouraged me, saying, you know, maybe you have a gift of encouragement. Or when you serve, it's like God serving me. And so maybe that puts a little bit more balance, because it's not just about the nine gifts. Actually, there are about 20 in the New Testament. And if we look at the Old Testament, it seems even that natural abilities can be then taken by the Spirit and made spiritual. So, for example, in the building of the temple, 
people who had uh, abilities of craft craftsmanship, and they were filled by the Spirit to complete the tasks. And so gifts of music and art and poetry and craftsmanship can also be used by God, energized by the Spirit for the common good. There is a great danger to draw a sharp line between the kind of gifts that we looked at, which we could say are kind of out-of-this-world type of gift, out-of-this-world type of manifestation, tongues, miracles, works of wonder and healing, and the more worldly manifestation, which we've heard, um, generosity, service, encouragement, acts of mercy, both ultimately come from God. And the Spirit is the one who inspires them and directs them. They are tools for the job, all of them. And when we say tools, it's not things that we possess, but it's the very life of God that is expressed through us to help us grow as a church. It's not a measure of how spiritual we are, how worth we are, or how special we are for God compared to others. No, it's just that God is active in us and uses us for his purposes. Um, I think we heard that they're not token of our maturity, how pleased God is with us, as he's maybe more pleased with one or the other. No, they're just gifts. They are gifts. They should not be a ground to measure ourselves or to divide. And I think actually the letter to the Corinthians is a stark warning because there we have a church who has in a way focused on the more extraordinary gift and fall into the trap of division and hurt. And that's why Paul stressed that those gifts, maybe in particular, should be used with love. And then he, of course, used the picture of a body reminding us that we are all different, we are all part of the body, but we all have a different function. And so, if you're in a hand, you're not a feet, a foot, a foot, two feet, a foot. If you're a hand, you're not a foot. And if you're an eye, you're not an ear. And some parts are more visible, like a hand, and some may be less, like our internal organs or maybe our toes, because they're mostly uh, in our shoes. And it made me think that some people maybe are more front stage type of people because of the gift, the way God has gifted them, but others are backstage, and we need both. And I think the best example we had in the last week is what happened at the Oscar Award, <laughs> when backstage doesn't do their job properly. It's true, it's chaos. It's chaos. So whether you're in the spotlight or whether God is using more as in a backstage, you are important. And actually someone wrote uh, something quite interesting. I hadn't had the time to look through all the scripture, but he says this. A person who's filled with the spirit may not even be conscious of it. Not, no, none of the biblical character ever said, I am filled with the Spirit. 
I haven't checked that out, but it's, it has a ring of truth. None of the biblical character ever said themselves, I am filled with the Spirit. What happened is other people recognize the life of the Spirit. Other people recognize. And I think that's how gifts work, is that as you observe one another, you can recognize and encourage, saying, you know what, I've been so blessed with that encouragement. I've seen so blessed when you share that picture it really resonated with me. I can see it is from God. When you spoke that word, that was a word of knowledge. I, I can recognize it. When you prayed for me for healing, I felt different. And so you recognize in others God's life and the way God is using them. So we're all essential for a proper functioning of this church. By being here, it means you have a play to part. Front stage, backstage, both could be, but you have a play to part. Here is a key verses that lead us into that wonderful passage of the language of love. Do nothing from selfish or empty ambition, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than yourself. Equipping the saints for the work of the service to build up the body of Christ. And so the right exercising of gifts always results in unity, greater unity, greater growth, and greater love. And maybe you remember I actually preached on that passage of love. Um, and at the time I said love is like a language. It should become the grammar or the syntax through which all that we do is written down. It's like um, a framework or the foundation or the spring from which all the other activities should flow. If we don't get love right, as in this passage says, then we're nothing. It's of no use. It could be, it can be of use for the other one, but it's not of use for us because we don't grow and we don't become more Christ-like. And so Paul says, do not neglect the gift, desire them, but remember to put on love. Love is the filter through which the gifts must be used. And so in this passage, he says, love comes first. Love is very practical. And the whole series of love is or is not and always are all verbs. It's all action. Love is not a feeling, but it's first an act and then, of course, we end up with that love is permanent. The greatest is love. So reflecting on our series and looking at some of those verbs, patience and kindness, I was thinking, have we been patient and kind enough as we presented those gifts? Patience is giving space to everyone to grow to come to term with, to explore, and kindness is being useful. And I think at time, maybe in our series, uh, we might have been over-challenging and not patient enough, not giving enough space because we are different stage of our exploration. Maybe we've stressed too much the exceptional and we haven't insist enough of on the power of small beginnings the power of small beginning, the small learnings, the small steps we take 
if we want to explore and said, is God starting using me in that gift of knowledge or in prophecy or in praying for healing? And hopefully um, we'll have a testimony. I have five more minutes, so we have time for a testimony. If you remember, there was this picture of a river, which maybe that's what we kind of looked too quickly, the river of the spirit. And we have an instance that there is no river without streams. It always starts with little streams that come together and form a river. And we are streams. So we shouldn't forget the power of small beginnings. Love is not jealous, boastful, or proud. This shouldn't be uh, the reason why we long for the gifts, to be proud, or because we're jealous of how God is using someone else. It doesn't seek his own. It wants others to grow. It's not self-centered. It always protects, always trusts, always hope, always perseveres. It endures through every circumstances. So we are all gifted for God's purpose. And we are all gifted for this church. So that our lives might be transformed and the church grow in number and in depth. And let us remember to have expectation but no agenda. It's always God. God's ways. God's ways. God's plan. And God who's sovereign. And we have two minutes. Doreen, do you, want, where are you? do you want to share? Because I think it's a great story of how the gifts have been expressed yesterday. Uh, it's a great story. Yeah, tell us. Yes, well, yesterday was a Healing Hub Day, and on Healing Hub Days, Sarah comes from the Living Well, and then a small number of us from the healing team here come in to help her. And when I came in early yesterday morning, I was about 15 minutes early, as I came in, I heard one of her team say, there's a young man in there, and um, he's just been sent in by his, by his parents. His parents have delivered him. And I thought, I'll go in and sit with him. And I went in. There was nobody else in there. And I sat next to him, and I asked him some very gentle questions. He was curled up, absolutely curled up on his seat. His head was almost in his hands. He had his hood on, and he looked completely gray. His face was truly gray. Um, so I sat there asking him a few questions like, where did you come from? You know, what, what, why have you come? Because um, yesterday's title was about healing the dark places, the dark spaces within us. Anyway, I've, when I talked to him, I felt I couldn't deal with this. And I got up and I came outside and, and John Glass was coming in. And, you know, John, John said, oh, I'm just about, I've, I've arrived, but I'm about to go. And I said, you can't go. You're really needed in there. There's a young man in there who needs you. So John went in. Now, I didn't see that young man until the very end of the afternoon. And at the end of the afternoon, um, Diana and Em and John and I were asked to do the anointing and to pray with people who wanted to receive prayer. Well, I couldn't believe it. This young man was one of the people who came up. He was upright, he was smiling, his skin was clear, his eyes were clear, they were no longer opaque. And he came forward of his own volition to have an anointing. And I just thought that was absolutely amazing. 
he left here upright and happy. Now that young man had come here because he'd seen the advertisement of the Healing Hub Day on the internet. His parents had driven him over from Sheppey. It had taken an hour. I didn't see him leave, but there was a great sense of joy in the whole group of about 35 yesterday because many people came and left with joy in their hearts. So we just say thank you to the Lord for that wonderful day. Mm, thank you. Thank you, Doreen. And I think you illustrate perfectly what it means to be expectant but having no agenda. Expectant but no agenda. And it was very gentle. You were there, you were listening, you were just available to be an instrument of God. He brought someone else, and then, and if you ever saw the baton that we are giving to each other, this uh, that we use, uh, that's been used uh, at the Olympics, there is a little inscription on it that says, I made it happen. And it sprang into my uh, gut that I made it happen is God. God made it happen. And if we are open to that, that God will make it happen in his own way, in his own time, then we are at the best place. So Father, let us continue on that journey to explore all your gift and to be your instrument for your glory. Amen.